you have your Bibles, please turn in them to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We are looking at the text between verse 15 and chapter 2, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 1, 15 through chapter 2, verse 4. We will lift our prayer to He who is the author and the finisher of our faith and then read the Word of God. Father, we come before Your throne, the author, the finisher of our faith. Father, You who spoke existence into being, we ask that You teach us this day. Through the power of your spirit, the authority of your word, we will drink deep in amazement of thus saith the Lord. Father, give us ears to hear. Father, give us eyes to see. Give us hearts overjoyed with the thought that we now have truth. Help us, Lord. And this day and this age, this time such as this, that you have placed us, help us, Lord, to hear you, to shut off the things of this world, and to drink deep the wisdom of the age, the wisdom of eternity, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Beginning in verse 15. In this confidence, I intended at first to come to you so that you might twice receive a blessing. That is, to pass your way into Macedonia and to from Macedonia to come to you and by you to be helped on my journey to Judea. Therefore, I was not vacillating when I intended to do this, was I? Or what I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh? So that with me there will be yes, yes, and no, no at the same time. But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who is preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, Timothy, was not yes and no, but yes in him. For as many are as the promises of God in him... They are yes, therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us in God, who has sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. But I call God as witness to my soul there that to spare you, I did not come again to Corinth. Not that we would lord it over your faith, but as workers with you for your joy, for in your faith you are standing firm. But I determined this for my own sake, that I would not come to you in sorrow again. For if I cause you sorrow, who makes me glad but the one whom I made sorrowful? This is the very thing I wrote you. So that when I came 
I would not have sorrow from those who ought to make me rejoice, having confidence in you, all that my joy would be joy of, all, of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not so that you would be made sorrowful, but you might know the love which I have especially for you. It's a fascinating text, actually. Uh, and when I read it, uh, I, I kind of at time marvel at it. I'm kind of in awe of it because what you're seeing here is a pastor's heart. Now, I'm not talking about what you see around today. I'm talking about God's pastors. I do not believe there are as many as there are around. Okay. Um, the reason that I do not believe that is not to be arrogant or puffed up, but it says that difficult times will come. Men will not heed sound words and will heap to themselves, pile up for themselves, what? Teachers that tickle their ears. If He uses a phraseology there that's kind of fascinating in that text out of Timothy, is that there are a lot of them to heap up. Okay. I mean, even First John says that many have gone out from us who were not of us. This is not a new phenomenon. This is some, not something that you and I have all of a sudden just, da-da, there it is. Uh, there are many who are out there today um, who are either apostate or just flat-out charlatans all, all the way around. And um, they should be avoided. Uh, and if you can't avoid them, then confront them with truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I look at this text, I see the heart of a pastor. And I gave you seven things here that I, I see that are, is God's pastor. Uh, and when, when he starts it out there in this confidence, and this confidence that he is speaking of, is that confidence, he says, a testimony of our conscience that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God. Okay, and, and I shared with you when we were dealing with our own, the human conscience, our self-conscience. That's our highest court. Okay, and our conscience will operate on the basis of the standard of information that we have. Okay, we who study the word of God on a consistent basis... On a daily basis, our level of self-conscience is higher because our standard of truth is higher. Does that make sense? Okay, uh, if you're an infant in Christ, your conscience is just barely moved out of what the lost world is. I mean, even our lost world has a conscience. Uh, I know some of you will say, well, where is it? Uh, I think they left it in their other suit. But um, it is still there. You can't deny that the conscience is there. And we have literally industries that have uh, began flourishing uh, to appease the conscience. Uh, that's why you hear uh, when somebody does something that is wrong, they immediately go to some place or group or system to try to what? Appease the conscience. Okay, and, and you know, you know, I think about the Tiger Woods incidents, and he's now in some kind of, I don't know what, what it is, rehab, and I'm trying to figure out what. <laughs> You're cheating on your wife, and therefore you go to rehab. Okay, um, 
But, but, but I, you, you have this kind of stuff, and, and what is it to do? Well, for one thing, it is to appease his wife's conscience. The other thing, it is to appease the public's conscience. And the third thing is to appease his own conscience. Okay, and, you, and I, there are so many illustrations of this all over the place. Uh, and, and yet, if you really think about it, and if you're honest with yourself, your conscience in you are, is where the battle is. Okay, and the Apostle Paul says, I am confident in this. What? My conscience. I have taken this before my conscience. And my conscience in holiness and godly sincerity. Not in the flesh, but in the grace of God. Can we went we went through all of that. And so when you start looking at the rest of this in verse 15 through chapter two, verse four, you start seeing, okay, what is this confidence in? And and what happens is, is that if you stand on truth and you proclaim truth and you are you being used by God for truth. Okay. You will be attacked. I guarantee you. And here's the reason. There's not that many of them out there who are standing in truth. Okay? It's it's not like it's a target-rich environment. All right? And so when you find that, then you know that they will be attacked. And and in verses 15 and 16, we've seen the loyalty of the pastor's heart. Okay? I did intend to come to you first. Why? Because I wanted a a two-trip time with you chapter 16 of 1st Corinthians says that I would like to spend some time with you there's a loyalty to this group of people to this congregation these were very precious people to the apostle Paul you got to understand something about the church in Corinth Paul wrote more to the church in Corinth than anybody you got to understand that so and 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 we have two other letters we don't even have So these people were very dear to the Apostle Paul. He had a loyalty to them. And and he said, you know, I, I, I want I ministered with you. I am blessed by you. You are blessed by me and you can help my ministry as I go on down to Judea. But in 17 and 18, you find out that there is a, a an honesty in the Apostle Paul. Okay, Um, evidently someone had accused him of vacillating, fickled. Okay, Uh, a yes and a yes and a no and a no. All right, and they were basing it on his travel plans. And what you do is that, well, if he can't take care of the little things like travel plans, then how, why should I believe his important things? And that's the attack. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Um, and you know what? There's times that you make plans and God says, I don't think so. I know none of you have ever experienced that. Um, I have on a regular basis. Okay. And, 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 and when I read this, you know, he says, but God is faithful. Our word to you is not yes and no. It isn't, uh, as my grandma would say, talking out of both sides of your mouth. All right. You know, my yes is a yes. My no is a no. Uh, and, and, I, and I struggle with that today because there's times that um, I have watched people who have walked away from my messages. And then you hear that, well, 
I what he meant by that was this. You know what, brothers and sisters, if you don't get anything out of this series of messages, understand I mean what I say. Okay, it's that simple. And well, but I think what he no. No, I am not that complicated. (laughs) All right. I am not speaking you subliminally. (laughs) I'm just this is the way it is. See ya. Okay. Um, Which brings me to the third point there, verses 19 and 20, that God's pastor is reliable. Okay. Um, And and this is a fascinating approach um, from the Apostle Paul. Paul does a lot of things that are are fascinating to me, but this one is is definitely interesting. Um, It is extremely possible, I, I would argue, because it has never gone away. And it has always been something that has... Um, attacked the church since its birth at Pentecost, um, that false accusers are denying the deity of Christ. Okay, uh, it's, it's uh, strong and flourishing today. Um, you heard it, uh, I think it was a year ago, that we found a burial box and it had Jesus and his wife's bones and his kids' bones in it. And all the rest of it. And everybody's like, look, we found the remains of Jesus. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, right. Give me a break. I've been to the tomb. He's gone. Okay, uh, that book that was out that uh, Jesus had married uh, Mary Magdalene. And they had a little girl. And they're all looking for the little girl because that would be what? (laughs) It'd be a little girl. (laughs) That's what it would be. Uh, What are you doing? You're attacking the deity of christ okay and i know somebody's gonna say well where are you getting that from read the phrase for the son of god christ jesus okay all false eventually attack the person of christ now some of them are sneaky about it um usually somebody comes and says, well i just don't believe he was god's son um that's not really hard to find Okay, but they attack the person of Christ. uh, And and when they do that, all you're doing is attacking the heart of the gospel. If he's not the son of God, then he didn't pay the penalty of sin and you are damned. So there is no gospel. If the penalty hasn't been paid. You owe it. (laughs) That's not complicated. Okay, and what happens is if I attack the messenger and his reliability, then how reliable is his message? Okay, see, so Paul uses the full title for the son of God, Christ Jesus. Dude, that's it right there. You can't shake that one. It is all in there. He is making a firm statement and he uses the fullness of the title of our Lord to get the point across. See, that title, Son of God, Christ Jesus, reflects the character and the nature and the work of Christ. And let me tell you something. It is 2010 right now, and the character and the nature and the work of Christ is still under assault. It hasn't gone away. It shall never go away until Christ stands on the Mount of Olives, and then the gig is up. Okay? See, 
they attack that, and you can't attack the person of Christ, so you attack Christ's representation. Okay, that would be the church. And when you focus in on the church, then you look for the messenger. Christ, you know, what he's looking at here. Because Paul wasn't reliable. I mean, if Paul's not reliable in his travel plans, can you trust his gospel either? Now, we look at that thing. Well, that seems silly, really. I had people attack me because I didn't wave at him because I was driving down Perry Street. All right. So you, I've had people attack me. So well, he can't be a preacher and have a beard. Oh, I don't know. You know, he rides a motorcycle. How could he be a preacher? Well, something's got to drive fast to get out of town. That's a, <laughs> and you guys won't buy me a Corvette. So I'm going to buy me a, sorry. Paul reminds him here. He says, you know, son of God, Christ Jesus, who was priest among you. And oh, by the way, it wasn't just me. All right. I wasn't the only one. Um, some of your translations will say Silvanus. That would be Silas. OK, now Silas has some credentials. Acts chapter 15, verse 22. He was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He carried the decision from the Jerusalem council to Antioch on the reaching of Gentiles. So he was a leader in the birth church, the mother church of all churches came out of. He joined the apostle Paul on his second missionary journey after Paul and Barnabas had got into kind of a disagreement over John Mark. Silas took Barnabas's places or Silvanus, but he also had Timothy. Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. Timothy was fruit of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. He was Jewish. He had a Jewish um, Christian mother. Okay. He had a Gentile father, which made him a unique servant to the Lord. He can cross them both. Both were with Paul when he came to Corinth. And they all preached the same truth on the Son of God, Christ Jesus. That makes it reliable. Everybody comes down the pike. It is Christ Jesus, the Son of God. We preach, all of us. It's not a yes and no. It's not double meaning. It is all yes in Him. That's what it says. Was there not yes and no, but it was yes in Him. We didn't go back and forth. We didn't have some mystical meaning. It's not that we're unreliable. It was a clear yes to God's truth. That truth that was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And you know, the Apostle Paul, and basically, if, if, if I was writing this, and I'm not, is, hey, Corinth, you knew that. You heard that. You believed that. How can they, how, how can the Corinthians accept the unwavering truths that we preached? It's reliable, it's believable, it's life transforming, and then conclude the pre preachers are unreliable. 
Hey, you know, <laughs> as you can tell, it frustrates me a little bit because I've endured this before. What I have done in these years in this church has changed lives. Uh, you know, I, a little while ago, I had an accusation come against me that was completely silly. Um, and, you know, you know what, whatever. It's kind of where you go. And they said, well, we want to have a meeting. And so they brought all these people and they want to come and sit in my office. And, and, and they walk in and say, we want you to know we love you. And you're like, oh, here we go. And so they threw all these accusations out at me. And, and <clears throat> you know, such and such said this and such and such said this and such and such said this and such and such said this. And, you know, you're unreliable. You're not honest. You're not loyal. You're not this. You're not that. And uh, when they got done, they said, well, what do you got to say? You caught me. No. <laughs> no. No, I didn't say that. I looked at him. I said, compare the fruit. See you later. I, if you think I'm going to defend 15, 16 years of what I've been doing in my office, then sit down for 15 or 16 years and I'll explain it to you. But no, compare the fruit. That's all I ask. Compare the fruit. How do people conclude that the preachers who preach an unwavering truth are unreliable? And how do you step into that? I don't understand that. I, you look at what you, those who have fallen, that you know that have fallen. And, and we you know, kind of, it comes in waves, it seems. But if you look at them, look at what truth they teach, and then you understand it. It's very clear. And I don't care what the fall is. You know, I've seen people walk away. From, I've seen people fall into sin. I've seen people walk away from truth. Okay? This, I just ain't doing to do this no more. Okay? And I've seen both. And you know what? When I look at it, I say, but if you look at what they did then this shouldn't surprise you. If you look at their quote-unquote message, where is the Son of God, Christ Jesus, in their message? Paul's point is this. Travel plans are easy. Getting the message right is the hard part. Do we understand that? This week, uh, the last couple of weeks, when we were preparing for this conference on Friday and Saturday night, um, my travel plans kept going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I wasn't sure I was going to make Saturday. Then I thought, well, you know, I'm going to make Saturday, but I don't think I can make Friday. I well, I don't know if I can. No, no, no. I think I. No, I'm going to do the whole thing. No, man. It looks like I'm going to go do this one. And, well, who's going to drive here and all the rest of it? And I said to him, hey, man, Kirk, it's not like we're going to Ethiopia. Okay. And if we are, who's driving? But anyway, um, listen, if you look at God's pastor, if they're reliable in the difficult thing, do you understand what the difficult thing is? Let me tell you something that is difficult. Dealing with the eternal destinies of souls is a little more complex and difficult than people seem to realize. Okay. Now, a lot of people seem to think that, you know what, I, I just come in a little early on Sunday morning and flip open my Bible. What do you want me to do? Okay, we're up. Okay. Um, if that's true, then I'm doing this wrong. 
<laughs> I mean, I didn't, and, and I guess I should go to school because if it's that easy, I missed it because it seems awful difficult for me. Okay? Listen, Paul is telling us, if, if, if you look at God's pastor, the reliable and the difficult, the eternal, the spiritual, the essentials that come from God. Okay, because I hate to break the news to you, the eternal and the spirituals and the essentials that come from God contradict everything about our flesh. That that idea alone makes it difficult. I remember many, many, many years ago, I was so afraid that on a Sunday morning I'd come up and, and I wouldn't know what the text said. And so we would have a, a, a sing-a-thon or something. You know, I was already trying to cover my bases. What happens at the conclusion of the week of study? And I walk in and say, I ain't got a clue what this says. Uh, therefore, let's sing. Okay. Then the Lord in his love and grace and mercy to me said, that isn't the difficult part. I said, wow, oh, cool. You read it. I have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. You'll be fine. The difficult part is when you preach it, is it true of you? That's tough. That's tough. Paul is looking at this and how can you suggest that they are going to be unreliable in the least, which would be travel. And yet they are reliable in the difficult, which is the eternal authoritative word of God. Here's an interesting thought. Men who are exacting in scriptures will be exacting in the lesser issues of life. Watch them. The ones who labor through the word of God. Will labor through the labor. The lesser things of life. Okay. In as much as they can. Please understand. Uh, you know I was supposed to be in Russia. Um, first week of January. That didn't work well. And then when I seen what the temperature was, I thought it worked out fine. <laughs> I love it when God provides. <laughs> when a man is serious about divine truth, when a man is serious about cutting it straight, his life will reflect that. You know, I've had people come to me and they say, you know, uh, Terry, you need to lighten up. Go have some fun. And I said, that's... If you knew how many years I spent having fun, you'd say, well, why are you still alive? Um, you seem too serious all the time. Have you read the book? Seems a little serious. See, I came to you. I spoke you truth. The truth was clearly yes in the Son of God, Christ Jesus. It is not a yes and no. It was affirming the word and the authority of the word and the person of Jesus Christ. It was the truth of Christ. It was the gospel of Christ. You heard it. You believed it. You affirmed it. You, I preached it. Silas preached it. Timothy preached it. It didn't change. 
It didn't change. Do you think our life is so unstable, so vacillating, so fickle, so unreliable? And that's why God picked us to be exactly and exacting in his truth. See his argument? That's a dandy if you think about it. Why? We're reliable. Why? What was it we gave you? Doesn't call men. You know, I'm not a rocket scientist. I am definitely not a theologian. But I do know this about God who only spoke existence into being, is that he does not call men void of truth to proclaim truth. It ain't happening. He'll use a donkey. <laughs> I'll let you ponder that one for a minute. Well, I thought he was. You look like it. Never mind. Okay. I mean... <laughs> I know, somebody's expecting me to go, Anyway, Linsky said it this way, and I quote, No mighty yes in Christ Jesus could ever be transmitted by yes and no heralds, unquote. You got it? There's reliability. If the man labors and strives in the word of God, then you know that his life will be always yes and reliable. Even if he doesn't wave at you on Perry Street. Even if he plans on taking a trip and all of a sudden he can't do it. Paul had spent a year and a half in the work of preaching and had gone into Corinth and brought the gospel. A year and a half they heard and they believed. It transformed lives. Doesn't that say something about the instrument? You would think. You know, I've got people who, you know, well, <laughs> I've been in this community for a long time, even before I was saved. Okay? And I've got people who are literally waiting for me to fall. They be, they literally believe that, well, Terry is just on some kind of thing right now. And it's, it's just this religious thing. And don't worry, he'll end up, you know, back to what it was he was doing in the past. That's 25 years. That seems, you talk about people who've got patience. <laughs> I remember people who cussed me after a message from this church and said they will wait me out. They know that I can't keep it up. Now they're gone. but <laughs> and, and you know what? I've had people who come back and says, you know, everybody, I've talked to some people. Uh, this week I talked to uh, the governor, Nicholas Piotrowski. Um, you want a scary thought? He has a son. <laughs> Silas. <laughs> and I ain't even going there. Anyway, uh, you know what he called? I, I seen him two, three years ago, I guess. I went by his house. He was li- He's going up at Wheaton College. And, and I went by his house and, and I spent the evening with him and his bride. And, and she was at, uh, you know, they were telling me that they thought they were going to have a child. Anyway, um, I don't know how you plan that. But anyway, um, uh, he called me up and he says, you know what? I'm about to graduate with my doctorate out of uh, Wheaton. Uh, and he says, I would like to ask you 
What do you think I should do? Well, Nicholas, I mean, you have been in Mark Dever's church at Capitol Hill Baptist Church, and you have been in MacArthur's church for a time. You were down in Memphis for, for a time. And why are you calling me? He says, because you stayed. You haven't moved around. You're just there. I said, dude, it's, nobody's offered me a job. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have anything else to do. Anyway. See... If you can hear the pastor's message Paul is telling you and I, you trust his word about the eternal things, you know it changed lives, you should also trust him about the trivial things. Now listen, if you go see a doctor, okay, and you ask, and he says, you know what, I'm going to have to do this surgery thing on you, and, and it's, we're going to do this and this and this and this. The next question is going to come out of your mouth, or should come out of your mouth, is have you ever done this? Okay, and he says, no, uh, I'd go get a second opinion. I would. But you know what? We'll do our research on somebody who's getting ready to take care of our temporal. Why don't we research the guys who are taking care of our eternal? I don't understand that. You know, everybody says, well, you know, there's a lot of deceivers out there. There's not. If you listen to what the book says and you go find God's pastor. But I watch people who are looking for churches on what is their kids program like? Do what is their contemporary or do they have drums? I had a guy ask me that. Call me up. Does your church have drums? We have a bongo. <laughs> we don't know whose it is, <laughs> but we're guarding it as if it's ours. <laughs> I said, I'm going, well, yeah, I'm sure that there's some spiritual discernment in. Do you have drums? Listen, if the man, if God's pastor, the man of integrity at the highest levels of God's word, it will filter down all the way, won't it? Why would you trust his gospel and not his plain words about everything else or his plans? Paul is basically telling these beautiful people in Corinth, you are living proof that I preach the truth. And look what he says here, because it's really cool. He says, for as, verse 20, for as many as are the promises of God, where? In him. They are, yes. Right? God's promises are, yes, in Christ. Right? Okay, now you think about the phrase he just uses here. God's promises. Okay, do you understand what the Apostle Paul is telling you? That would be the Old Testament, New Testament. God has given all of the promises in Christ, and they are yes. You understand that? Anything you ask in my name, yes. Yes. That's not complicated. And that's what the Apostle Paul... Now watch what he does here. This is so cool. As many as are the promises. You know what that means, right? There are many. (laughs) There's a bunch of them. There's more than 11. Okay? Are in Him. They are yes. They're also through Him 
is our amen to the glory of God. Now watch what he says. All of God's promises. Okay, God promises blessings. God promises peace. God promises joy. God promises love. God promises goodness. God promises purpose. God promises fellowship. God promises forgiveness. God promises strength. God promises hope. God promises his kingdom. God promises heaven. God promises salvation. God promises glory. God promises sanctification. And they are all fulfilled where? In Christ. Do you understand why I get a little testy about the mysticism thing? I don't need something else. I have the promises fulfilled in Christ. Everything God has promised is made possible in Christ. Amen. You gotta jump up. That's what he's telling the acrismatic Corinthians. Jump up. Hallelujah. Amen. In him they are. Yes. He is the yes to all of God's promises. So we came and we didn't preach yes and no vacillating. We preached yes, yes, because his preaching was in him. The fulfillment of all of God's promises. It's really clear is what he's saying. He says it's on the mark. It's truth. And you believed. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Jesus says the law of Moses and the prophets and the writings have their fulfillment where? In Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Christ is the sufficient one. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We are complete. In Him, we are lacking nothing in Him. In Him, all the fullness of deity dwells. He made us into wisdom and righteousness and redemption because we are in Him. That freaked Paul out. Go do a word search on your computer and look at in Him and see how many times Paul uses it. Paul says, can you believe that? That's the vernacular. He is the one who brings us surpassing value. So everything else in our life is but rubbish. We preach God. We preach God and he will supply all of your needs only according to the riches of his glory. And they are in Christ Jesus. We preach Jesus Christ in everything. Is he not? There's no vacillating. There's no vacillating. It is reliable. The Corinthians, you know our character. Hey, Corinthians, you know our ministry. You know. You know. That it is in Christ. Look what he says here. This is really good. Therefore, also through him is what? Our amen to the glory of God. Okay, amen is a, is a, is a form, uh, a Hebrew form of the word that you know as yes. Okay? Uh, in some congregations, you've seen it. The guy will preach something and you hear something, amen. Okay, in some bigger congregations, you'll hear him say, Amen! Okay, what is it saying? I don't know, he's being spiritual. No, he's saying yes. The preacher says something, it's in Christ, I'm fulfilled, therefore, or yes. 
Yes, that's what it is. That's what he's saying. Our yes. He uses the word yes in, in, in a way. We use yes in a way that Paul uses amen. Uh, you, you see it in, in secular stuff. When they kick the winning field goal, you will hear the crowd go, yes. Or you see that interception, yes. Or the fumble, yes. Very seldom you're going to see somebody fumble football and the guy go, amen. <laughs> Maybe, but I'm thinking the guy that's down there with the John three sixteen sign, he's saying, amen. Okay. This is true. That's what he's saying. This is true. This is right. This is it. This is yes. Okay, look what he says. Now, read your context here. Therefore, through him. Why? Because all the promise of God are in him. Therefore, through him is our Yes. Our amen. Look, Paul is saying, look, you heard me. I told you in Christ, all the promises of God are fulfilled. All of you said. Amen. And our amen. Is the response. Yes. Yes. And, and, and the, the, the phrasing that is here, the way, the structure of it, the way it's written, is that it was a collective amen in the church. And you've been in churches. You, you, some of them churches are amen. Okay, and then the other ones are amen, brother. Okay, I mean, it, just, it just depends on whether they're awake or not. Okay. Um, people say amen. And in the early church, it was very common. You preach Christ, you preach him crucified, that all the promises of God are fulfilled in the Son of God, Christ Jesus. And you would get a hearty. You didn't say, well, is that true? I'm not sure. Okay, Jesus used it. You'll see in Jesus' writings, or in the speaking of, of Jesus, you'll see it, amen, amen. Sometimes in the King James, you'll see it, verily, verily. Sometimes you'll say, truly, truly. And basically what it is, is amen, amen, or yes, yes. It means yes, and then I'm sealing it with a... Yes. And Paul is basically throwing it out here. Have you forgotten what our amen was? You think I vacillate? You think I fickle? Do you think that I waver? And you forget about the amen of the congregation? We all said it. Amen. I came preaching Christ and everybody said. Amen. Kind of cool, isn't it? And then I like what he, how he says it. Because that amen was to the glory of God. The verily, the truly was to God's glory. See, God was pouring his glory out. Do you know how, what comes after his glory? Read it and weep. Through us. See, and I, and I watch people today, the way some treat the pastor, and, and I, I'm trying to figure out how, how, how do I get an amen from a congregation that they saw the glory of God come through that messenger and then treat them. But then I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? 
They did it to Paul. (laughs) I can't even carry his sandals. It's interesting argument that Paul gives. God is pouring his glory through the apostle Paul. They saw it. So we came from God. We preached the truth of God and the truth changed your life. And you said, amen. Now you tell me I'm unreliable. Now you tell me I vacillate. Now you tell me I'm fickle. Now you tell me you don't trust me. You've already glorified God, magnified God for what he spoke through me. Interesting, isn't it? Paul would be tough in a court of law, wouldn't he? It was absolutely truthful. It was absolutely trustworthy. It was absolutely reliable. And you all affirmed it with your amen. You affirmed it as trustworthy. You affirmed it as reliable. You affirmed it as of God, his glory. The same reliability of Christ, the same reliability of God is all yes in Christ. You have affirmed this reliability of his prophet, his messenger, his spokesman. That's why he's saying, you know what? God's pastor is reliable. Why? Because if God's pastor is sent by God, then his message is going to be very simple. All the promises of God are fulfilled in the Son of God, Christ Jesus. We preach it and we affirm it. Amen. Paul's saying, you know what? I came and you all said, Amen. And I taught the gospel. And now you are attacking me after amening me. Paul looks into his heart. That's what he's doing right here. And he says, you know what? This heart in my conscience, the Apostle Paul's conscience, in holiness and godly sincerity is a heart that is loyal. It is a heart that is honest. It is a heart that is reliable. Even to those who are attacking me. And I don't care what you say. That's amazing. And we would all say, Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for our brother Paul, who fought the good fight. Father, who was poured out as a drink offering, who stayed the course. And Father, laid for him was the crown of righteousness. And all of us who would hear, Father, May we also, may we humble hearts be poured out as drink offerings. Father, may we fight the good fight. May we run the course that you have set before us. Father, rejoice at those who would receive a a crown of righteousness based on the message that you permit each of us to proclaim to your glory To your praise, come quickly, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen.